Welcome to the Principles of Performance podcast, where we discuss how to optimize your health, fitness, and performance. Drawing on decades of experience of working as coaches, consultants, and trainers to top performers, athletes, and teens from professional sports to top universities to the U.S. military, Eric Degatti and Mike Perry discuss topics and strategies of how to perform at your highest level and be your very best. Join us and our friends and colleagues who are leaders in the fitness and performance industry as we investigate and challenge the most popular training, nutrition, lifestyle, and recovery protocols. we go here we are we are at episode number 16 of the principles of performance podcast i am your host eric degatti along with my partner in crime mike perry mike how are we doing today living the dream buddy it's a beautiful day out sun is uh, uh the sun is shining can't complain absolutely so and and we are also very lucky to continue our great streak of Awesome guests. Uh, and today we have Rhett Larson. And Rhett's a strength and conditioning and sports performance coach. He's currently training the German women's national volleyball team. Uh, but he's worked with athletes and organizations from all over the world, including China, the Netherlands. And he was a former vice president at Just Play Performance Training. He was a project manager at Exos. Uh, China and uh, athletes performance, and also a director of coaching at Velocity Sports Performance. And I'm super excited to talk to this guy. Rhett, welcome to the Principles of Performance. Thanks, Eric and Mike. I'm happy to be part of lucky number episode 16. Absolutely. So uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover here. Tell us where in the world you, uh, you actually are right now. I am currently in beautiful Southern California, where I'm going to spend a little bit of my winter I, I, at this stage of my career, I kind of take the winters off. I work in the summer for the German national team. And then I, you know, just bask in the sunshine while I take on little, little tiny special projects uh, that, have, that are kind of fun passion projects during the winter and go visit friends and, and just kind of live that dream that Mike was talking about. Well, we're shoveling our cars out to get to work. He's 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 really living the dream over there, Perry. I know we're doing huh? we're doing it all wrong in the Northeast. But so let's let's get this thing started. So if you look up Rhett Larson online, you're going to find a lot of info about your unique approach to warm ups in particular. Uh, so tell us about this approach and and kind of how you came up with the system, Rhett. Yeah, sure. I mean, not if you look at my OnlyFans page. That's totally different. But. but <laughs> It's a unique, I guess, approach to warm up. I never thought of it as being that unique, but you know, I've come to find out that it's it's a little different approach. It's just kind of blossomed out of, I guess, me wanting to me wanting to maybe keep my job. Like I wanted to just do something that I thought would be more effective than what I saw other coaches doing, and truthfully, what I had been doing for decades in different systems. Like you said, I worked for. Exos and athletes performance and, and velocity sports performance, both of which prided themselves and are known for having incredible, incredibly well thought out movement prep sessions, warm ups that are varied and, and, and can, you know, 
tackle a bunch of biomotor abilities, are you know famously brutal the first couple of times you do them, all of the good things. Uh, but to me, I still thought I still felt a little bit confined, uh, like confined by this set library of kind of well-established thermogenic and mobility and activation exercises that I felt, um, yeah, like I, like I said, just I felt uh, that I couldn't necessarily um, help my team as much as if I took the restrictor plates off and opened my mind to anything that I possibly wanted to do just to get their body temperatures to a level where nobody's going to get hurt. And once I kind of flipped that switch in my head, like, you know, any kind of training became possible. So when my team was weak at the beginning of the season, my warmups started looking like mini strength sessions with you know, just anything that I wanted them to get ready for in the weight room. Uh, if it was a complicated kind of lift, then we would do it in warmups a bunch of times with light weights. If it's just trying to get them stronger, then you know, there was low level strength that I could be doing during warmup that would tick that box. You know, if my team was slow, then my warm-up started looking like mini speed sessions that, that we would be doing at Exos. You know, it would be a ton of, like you'd be looking at a track practice of 100 meter runners. And if my team was beaten up, it might look like rehab or regen. If, if, if I'm working with Greg Day, who I know you had on your podcast, and Greg is my physio, which I was lucky enough that he was my physio for a while. If he came to me and said, Red, this whole team could benefit from, you know, a little bit more hamstring strength and some patellar tendonitis uh, rehabs. Then I put that in warm up over and over again until the problem went away. So long story short, my warm up stopped being this kind of cookie cutter set of exercises that became the ever changing helical mix of whatever I felt like my team needed at the time. I just used our athleticism and, and make them fail and have fun and try to make them get into some volleyball shapes while also pushing them to uh, explore that messy outer edge. Interesting. So, you know, when people talk about warm up and they always think it's stretching, right? A lot of people think it's just synonymous with stretching and uh, um, where do we go wrong with that idea? And, um, you know, based off of what you're seeing, do you feel that, you know, stretching at all has a place, uh, you know, in the warm up? world whatsoever or do you tend to sneak things in as you see fit like you know obviously I know you're it seems to me that you're changing the warm-up based off of the needs of your athlete but are you still thinking about kind of the goal within that warm-up of what you're trying to do within that session are you trying to kind of you know sneak the vitamins into the food so to speak absolutely and what a great way to put is that generally yeah um I think that if you asked my athletes uh, about my warm-up, I would hope that they would say that it's engaging, it's fun, it's interesting, it's a challenge. Um, but what they would also say is, you know, after, you know, if I'm going to program something, I might program a really fun game that I have tweaked to make it a little bit more volleyball specific, or I've constrained it so that they have to maybe get lower than they normally like to in a game like that so that it gets better defense so but it's still a game it's still fun after we play that game for a minute and a half then we've got to eat our vitamins to use your analogy and so then we are going and doing a wall walk up handstand against the wall and holding that for 25 seconds right and that's that's nobody's idea of a picnic i mean that's just low level strength 
strengthening and, and isometric work. Um, but that's that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm trying to to mix these in a way that I am feeling real good about having really you know, move the needle on making these girls better volleyball players. But at the same time, at the end of it, they might just be like, oh, my God, I'm so glad Alice and I beat the shit out of everybody in the, you know, duck, duck, goose variation that you came up with. That was super fun. The first part of your question is right on, though. Stretching was one of the first things I took a hard look at when I'm dealing with having a set amount of time to warm a team up, be that 10 or 15 minutes. Stretching is one of my first things that I'm looking to get, like, right out of there or at least minimize how much I have to do. I just don't think the research is really, really great in showing that your, your least flexible girl is going to be the first one that gets hurt. Um, there's, of course, asymmetry problems. All of these things are important, but all of them are really individual. And it used to be that, I mean, the first thing I actually took out was all my foam rolling soft tissue stuff. I can't stand wasting time on that in my precious little amount of time that I have for warm up. The girl, I still think it's fine to do. I just, it's a speed bump in kind of the flow of my warm up. So we don't do any, that's all done before my time starts with the girls. So they all will do foam rolling and soft tissue work. That. But after I get their bodies warm, that's the time that we should be doing some mobility work. Now, if I'm controlling the whole team, we will just do a few bang for the buck stretches. We will just hit kind of that joint by joint approach to training. So I got to make sure that ankles are mobile to protect my knees. I got to make sure hips are mobile to protect my lower spine and my knees. You know, uh, I got to make sure my T-spine is working, get my shoulders okay, and the outfit, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm really just hitting big bang for the buck stretches. In between stretches, I'm trying to do some more strength. I'm trying to just pepper in a little bit more vitamin. And then I get out. But like this season, I've even swung further the other way where I honestly think that at least at my level of athlete, that these girls need to be spending their mobility time just addressing the stuff that is their particular mobility issue. That for me, of course, I think that, oh, great. We'll just do, you know, 30 seconds here, here, here. These four stretches for 30 seconds to a minute, get out of it. But for some people, if you have a, a little nagging shoulder problem, you need to spend, if I give, if I'm doing this for five minutes, you should probably spend three and a half, four minutes on your shoulder. You know, you should do a little bit of, you know, I think that the mobility routine is highly individual. That if my physio says, hey, this girl has a really bad ankle dorsiflexion imbalance, well, she should probably be spending more time on that than she does on her T-spine. So that's kind of the direction that I've gone with it now where I give autonomy to my athletes. And, and, you know, it could seem that I'm copping out a little bit, but honestly, autonomy to the athletes is another, you know, that's another kind of checkbox that I get to make in the warm-up. If it's yet another place that I get to step back and not talk and let them make decisions, that's a little bit of a win in trying to form relationships with them and kind of gamify that system. So, so I hope that answers your question, but yeah, with, how you teed it up is, is right in my alley, right in my wheelhouse. Okay, so I'm going to jump off where you were just at, and I have kind of two parts to it. So in terms of the specificity of the warm-up is um, how specific can we make it to an individual? So I know for myself, I'm working with high school teams, and if I have 60 kids on a football field, it's really hard to have individualized warm-ups. So 
where do they get that individual piece in there? Is that something that you're prescribing to them? Hey, get here 10 minutes early and do this on your own. Or how do we get them? Or is it something, hey, we're building awareness. When we do this T-spine rotation, if there's a big difference right to left, you know, spend a little extra time on your right. Because you may deal with in a population where I have hypermobile kids on one side. I have uh, kids who are super stiff on another side, kids who have lack control in another group. So like, how do, how do we handle that individualized component of it? Yeah. So the answer is all of those at different points. Like I am so, so we will cycle in and out of the variations that you kind of described. And I can even extrapolate this to if my, you know, if, to my team being a 40 or 50 person team, but um, at parts, at certain parts of the season, there's no individualization. You want individual, you come in beforehand and do it. I mean, there's plenty of time before our, our practice starts for you to do all the individual, you know, if you need to be on a BOSU ball doing something that a physio told you about three years ago, fantastic. There's a BOSU ball over there. Same thing, right? There are other times of the season, let's say that we've just gone through a testing battery and the physios and the tests have all come back that, you know, there is a group of athletes that have ankle, you know, asymmetry issues. Like we talked about, there's another group of athletes that we're real worried that their T-spine is so immobile that they're really, they're going to hurt their shoulder or lower back. If they don't fix that. Well, in those, in that instance, I would say, okay, 10 minute warm up. We've done five minutes of kind of my version of a fun thermogenic circuit kind of thing. Then, we're going to do stretching. I'm going to stretch them all for four minutes. And then I'm going to say, Hey, you guys have a minute and a half to do your individual thing that we wrote on a piece of paper after we did tests. Now that's level one individualization with my team, only 20 athletes, to, you know, 16 to 20 athletes. We can take it up enough there in a given week, there will be maybe two or three practices where the lion's share of my 15 minutes is time for individualization. And it's not just one thing that they've been told after testing is their biggest handbrake or their biggest potential area to improve. It is a series of three different areas. And in those three areas, I've given them three options. So I create like this nine exercise grid and pretty much say, hey, some days I'll say, hey, for today's warm up, first five minutes, uh, well, let's say first three minutes, we're gonna do something thermogenic together. After that, I'm gonna cut you loose for five. You guys pick, you guys do all the exercises in, you guys do exercises ABC. I want everyone doing ABC. And I have all the equipment over in the corner. They know how to do everything. And it's mayhem. It looks like a big freaking mess, but everybody is doing the three things that will specifically help them get better. And maybe some days I say, hey, I just want you picking any three that you want. Or, and we're just, you can cycle through that circuit as many times as possible over the next six minutes after that i'm going to bring everybody together because i want to do something else but that's kind of the next step of how i handle that and then at the end of practice when we're doing a cool down cool down is just perfectly fertile ground to be doing all of those individual correctives and and that is also a time because i think there's benefit to individuality but i, I also think there's incredible benefit for doing things as a team Okay, so part two then becomes how specific is it to the activities that are lined up for that day? So if today is going to be a, 
<clears throat> explosive day, we're doing Olympic lifts and so forth. Does that have to get reflected in the warm up versus today's a slow grind strength day versus today's a uh, more control based day? So how much do the, does the warm up mirror what's going to be happening in that workout or how much is general? Well, let me first off say that as of like so far, I have been talking about the warm ups that I do before volleyball practices, not like a pre weight room warm up necessarily, which would be a little bit different. Um, it would be a lot different, honestly. If I am part of a system where I like, let's say I am doing a warm up for a sprint day, like in a, in my program, at least once a week, our volleyball warm ups, our warm up before volleyball practice is building up to a linear speed, timing gates, everyone racing each other to see how fast you can run 10, 15, up to 30 meters. And so that is a linear speed warm-up where almost everything we're doing is just like at a sprint practice. Tons of hamstring preparation stuff, a lot of ankle work, everything linear, almost no like rotational, well, not, that's not true, but um, just very sprint specific rotational work um, because the main thing I'm looking for is to make sure that they're optimized, but also not gonna pull a hamstring, get hurt running sprints when they're volleyball players. Um, so yeah, I believe in specificity there, but more often than not, I'm just preparing a little bit of everything. And if I don't hit a particular biomotor skill in a particular warmup, who cares? And it's not, I don't think it's quite as important to be specific about every single movement that might happen in a volleyball game. Very good. So it, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, you are sort of starting off, you know, with, with a few things, a few goals in mind, and then you give them kind of a little bit of a break to kind of do whatever they want, right? They, they have a little bit of ownership, a little bit of skin in the game, and then you bring them back. And it seems like you're sort of alternating between those two ideas between, all right, we're doing this as a group, we're rehearsed, this is something that we need to do. But here you go, you've got five minutes to go do these other things. As long as you get it done your way and you come back and you're feeling pretty good, um, you know, I, I like how you give them a little bit of ownership because, um, I think it breaks up the monotony too, of just, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. But, um, so we're going to switch gears a little bit and, uh, let's talk about how you can use these scenarios and games to motivate athletes to, to work a little bit harder and train a little bit harder. Well, that's a good question. So I, and I'm very interested in this whole topic of kind of the gamification of training, which you know, is a big fancy word for a lot of practices that good coaches use all the time without thinking about it. Like I know you guys as good coaches are, you know, I'm sure you're very good at explaining to athletes why you're doing a certain exercise, right? Well, you know, explaining why to athletes is what gamification experts would call giving them like a quest narrative, right? Like when you start a game and you have to read all that bullshit at the beginning about, hey, we're going to go from here to here and you have to go through the fires of this and that. Well, unless I explain why, unless I give them the narrative that I could have a bunch of girls that don't give a crap about running 30 meters quickly and don't race their hearts out to do it well. And that's just one, that's just, that's gamification of that exercise. The set that would be, of course, timing it, right? You know, that's, that's a tried and true gamification of training is just timing things and making sure that the results of that are published in you know, leaderboards, sure. And then 
making sure that there are stakes that they that there's something besides just pride that you know that when pride stops being enough that they start that they keep running hard that that you're now you know giving them tokens and and they can accumulate tokens that are not only for the sprints this day but but maybe it's also for uh, a weight room thing or it's or maybe it's a balance challenge you want to make sure that I'm, I'm very conscious when I look at like a week's worth of warm-up slash weight room activities that I'm not just rewarding the girl that was blessed with a 30 inch vertical in every in every single event that there has to be there has to be a time when I'm rewarding a girl with great endurance a girl that is short and fast a girl that is um that has different abilities so so there's just these many different kind of levels of of this gamification like I I will make the girls wager against themselves and have something on the line. Like, Hey, listen, you're standing across from somebody. We're going to be doing an activity. And as with the objective, my objective is just to control intensity of that activity. Well, we're going to do this. And the loser needs to bust the table, you know, of, of the girl at lunch today, get all of her food and put all of her food away. Right. That's just the way it's going to be. Right. And we're going to, it doesn't have to be for money. We do stuff for money all the time, but, um, but yeah, it, it's just how over a season, the thing that I wish I could control, the things that I wish I had more control of are usually intensity, right? That to do our job well, they have to care about running as fast as possible or for plyometrics to work, they gotta be jumping as high as possible. Well, me just imploring them to please jump high and run fast wears out super quickly. And at that point, I am just racking my brain to find you know, ways to trick them into doing it. Um, okay, so gamification is another thing that comes in really handy when it comes to an area like nutrition, something that is not my favorite thing to have to manage in a team. So instead of me, you know, there's, there's a social pressure that isn't part of gamification. That's why, you know, any game you would play online would let you know what the high scores are from everybody else around the world. I mean, that's that is game. That's gaming in a nutshell. Well, I found when I was with the Chinese team that instead of just asking my girl saying, hey, listen, middle blockers, I have these four middle blockers on my team, all of which had body fat in the low 20s. Well, when I would compare them against themselves and I'd say, OK, well, our best middle blocker is our lowest body fat that so that's great but also we all know that the best middle block and middle blocker on planet earth is the usa middle blocker her body fat is 15 percent. serbian middle blocker is second best in the world she's at 17 percent. so me just publishing this data is all is not all i need to do but is a big step forward in kind of gamifying the nutrition side of things um and so it is really me just trying to find all the tricks that are take, steal all the tricks from the most popular video games in the world and seeing how I can possibly apply that to my team so that I have to spend less time nagging them to have better behaviors. And more of it is just intrinsic to them that they are internally motivated to do this stuff. Now, the reason why I love this is because if you look at how it's been done right and how it's been done wrong in our industry. If we look at it like how it's been done wrong, the, the dogmatic thing that I've grown up in, in weight rooms is there's a record board of who's the top five bench pressers, top five deadlifters, top five squatters. But the problem is, is those aren't always our best five, almost rarely are they actually the best five players. And so like 
John Terrine is an example, is a, a good friend of ours, is going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Talked about when he went to the Colts, he took all those record boards down, much to the dismay of a lot of the, the people who are on him. But because he said those guys aren't the ones who are making the most plays on the field. So that's where we've seen that it doesn't match what's actually happening on the field. But then I see where it's done right is like Peloton is just really good gamification of getting people to ride a bike, isn't it? Yeah. 100% right. And, and that's, and you can steal so much from like that Peloton model that um, like the unpredictability that comes in, like that's part of my philosophy. Like the fact that my warmups are different every single time they come in that variability. I mean, that's why you play video games is that you don't know what's coming next. There's unexpected challenges. Um, and, and to your point on leaderboards, leaderboards can work if, you're making sure you're not rewarding the same stuff every time. And you're only rewarding the stuff that is a key performance indicator of something directly into volleyball. So I would never have a leaderboard for bench press or squat when that has not been shown to be my starting six or not the, my best benchers or my best squatters. So something like a vertical jump, maybe, right? I would, I would, I would leaderboard vertical jumping and speed and, uh, maybe react reaction time kind of agility things that uh, that basically if I test it and our best you know our best athletes are also our starting athletes sorry our, the you know the top of the leaderboard are our starters then I say oh well this seems like something that I should keep testing Greg Rose said this exact same thing to me years ago in China when he came over and we were lamenting that our women's table tennis Chinese women's table tennis team like average to 16 on the FMS. He was like, guess what? That means the 16 is the best possible score for a Chinese ping pong player. Like throw out 21. That, that obviously you are too balanced to play ping pong well if you have a 21 on the FMS. So you need to train a bigger imbalance until you get to 16. And I was like, boom, right. Hey everybody, a quick break in the action here. Hope you're enjoying the show and we appreciate you listening. We're working hard to bring you the highest quality content and best guests every single week. So if you could do us a big favor and go and like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to listen at the end of the show also to find out where you can find out more information about our courses, as well as a special discount code for all our listeners. Thanks again, and let's get back to the show. Interesting. So, you know, it's, it's funny as you kind of, you know, go through uh, sort of your thought process on this, um, you know, there's a few things that uh, sort of had me thinking is, is one, you are, by, by adding in sort of this, this idea of sort of, uh, you know, essentially they're gambling versus one another, they're gambling and they're betting on themselves. You're, you're, you're essentially, you're opening dialogue, right? You're creating a culture, um, you're having them compete, which is a huge part of effort in general. Um, and you know, they're, they're getting to know one another, it seems like in a way that they may not be able to do if everybody is in the scenario where they're just hammering things and they're not having fun. And, uh, you know, I, I really like that approach because, you know, what it does is it does create that sort of that team atmosphere, right. Where we can, not we, but where, where individuals can feel a little bit more comfortable with one another. Right. And that will open up probably maybe some more side dialogue that will maybe further, uh, you know, Furtherly, kind of bring that team chemistry a little bit closer because they feel a little bit more comfortable to one another. And then it seems that you're just you're dialing all these things in a way that 
um, you know, it, it reminds me of something that I've heard Gray Cook say. He's a, I may skip steps, but I don't miss steps. And wow. you know, you're you're definitely uh, you're definitely skipping some steps here, but you're not missing steps because at the end of the day, the outcome is what matters. Yeah. And Mike, before we jump off this subject, you just hit on something that I mean, if you can imagine the gamification, like, you know, we've been talking about strength and conditioning stuff right now, but, but we would take it so far as we would gamify the team bonding in such a way. Imagine at the beginning of the day where you're just throwing out like a trivia contest, you know, Hey, who here knows the two girls on this team that don't know how to swim? Yeah. Anybody know who the girl on the team is that has a uh, dad who was in the space program? Like, like we would do that as a beginning of the season team building and you you won the same tokens you could win for winning the sprints on Wednesday. You would win the same tokens for knowing things about your teammates that you that you would otherwise. You could you could win tokens for coming in with the best sleep score from the night night before. You'd win tokens for having taken a cold plunge the night before. So so leaderboards can be great if they're also you're able to, you know, move up the leaderboard just by being tough or being kind or being, you know, someone that asks people questions. So, so you're right. I think traditional leaderboards can be real garbage if they're not, you know, kind of pushing something forward that you need to have pushed forward, be it nutrition, be it recovery, be it team getting to know each other. The, the world opens up. You just need to gamify it. So before, Mike, you jump into your next question, there's actually something I'd love to get your thoughts on it, uh, Rhett, because it's something that I, I took the concept from one of the high schools I was working with, and now I've started to use it with a bunch of my teams, is especially with teams that have like football that have a, a pretty extended off-season involvement, where we would create what we call the accountability teams. And we take five or six of the, the junior rising seniors that we thought could potential captains, and they would have a draft. And we do it up and we'd have them like dress up and say, and then, you know, for the first pick in the draft, you know, team Billy chooses Mike and, you know, they get dressed up. And what they would do is once you got assigned to a team, you accumulated or lost points throughout the year based on not just things you did in the weight room and, you know, attendance, things like that, but like good grades or those sorts of things you could get points for, or on the opposite, if you fail a class or we find out from teachers that you got in trouble in school, you lost points. And at the end of the year, when it was accumulated, once come uh, camp starting in August, we would award the team, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, maybe some swag or some cool sweatshirt. So they would get to choose their lockers first or their numbers and that kind of stuff first. And that's something that we did and I didn't really think of it until you started talking about what you were just saying, as far as stuff that goes beyond just, you know, weights and measures in the, in the weight room. Yeah, bravo. That's all I have to say. Bravo. And I wish I, I'm, I'm sitting here looking around for a pen because I don't want to forget it. I'm just gonna have to listen to the podcast because that's, I love everything you just said. That's, that's, that's really uh, the accountability piece is really nice, especially with athletes that have, you know, grades in school to also, worry about we 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 toyed with the fact that with thoughts of kind of every athlete adopting like a kid in the hospital and getting points for text messages and that seemed a little bit weird and visits and but anyway all of this is kind of wonderful very cool so we're going to change gears a little bit so we recently had kevin carr now kevin carr is a, is a guy that started off at mike Boyle's strength and conditioning really really bright guy and He's had the opportunity to go overseas and, and, and train a bunch of people outside the U.S. Um, and he, you know, he was saying that, you know, he's, he's noticed like an overall sort of 
a significant difference on how people approach strength and conditioning overseas versus how people approach strength and conditioning here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, how, how has your approach from those experiences changed the work that you do? Well, I, first of all, I have no doubt Kevin Carr is going to give a much better answer than I will on this because that guy is really smart. But um, it, so I spent seven years in China and then two years in the Netherlands and now I'm in my third year in Germany. So that's my specifically what I'm talking about as, as well as just seeing a lot of other teams. Um, but, you know, first of all, a, a lot fewer super tight Under Armour shirts on strength coaches in general, like a lot more nerdy guys over laptops with data science. And, um, and, but all this is to say that I think when you leave the U S and you coach overseas, you'll see that there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat, like that the typical, you know, U S you know, college football weight room, um, template is not seen very often overseas. Now, that is not to say that the high school, the, the college football template is not good. I bring a lot of that to the teams that I go to. Like I've been on, like when I was with the Netherlands, sometimes the girls would look at me in the weight room when I'm getting so excited about somebody doing something and they'll be like, Rhett, you're being very American right now. And I go, okay, okay. That means I'm being like too chest bumpy. And so they, uh, they, would, they would correct me sometimes that, that they don't need that. They don't need um, the, all that rah-rah. But yeah, to an extent, there's a lot more data science over in Europe. There is, well, I think it's swinging that way here now. I think they've been on the forefront of it for a while. There's a little bit less of a kind of emphasis on just pure strength that they're much more into Kind of, oh gosh, for lack of a better word, but only the strength that is functional to their sport. So um, it's like when I first got over to China, you know, Exos has a, had like a very strict, like building blocks of strength and conditioning, one of which was hypertrophy. And almost every team I worked for would have fired me the day after anybody gained a pound. Like if I, if, if the Chinese diving team gained a pound of muscle, oh my God, I'd be out of there. They don't care if it's muscle, fat, the brain tissue. It's just a pound and that's not, not acceptable. So, you know, hypertrophy models went out, you know, trying, we, I think there's just a little bit more emphasis on how much you can get out of the neural side of things. I mean, you know, like I said, I was in the Netherlands for two years and like seeing the disciples of Franz Bosch and, some of these guys that are doing a lot with constraints led approaches and differential learning and creating as much noise into a system, or I should say the right amount of noise into a system to perturb it without slowing it down. All of these things are really, really interesting and nothing that I'd seen in the US. And so I think it was nice and humble. I mean, it, it humbled me a bit. It, uh, and it certainly opened my eyes that there are a lot of different ways to do things that can be just as effective as what, what we've been doing in the States and what kind of the, unfortunately, the echo chamber of people in the U.S. can kind of keep talking about. So you're saying way more sleeves outside the U.S. 
<laughs> tattoo parlors all over europe go out of business all the time you wouldn't believe it like yeah yeah funny. see the the, the 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 mandatory shaved head mike is only a u.s thing that's what i've been trying right. to tell you hey dude this is uh this is more for speed development and aerodynamics <laughs> this is uh this is really about uh you know let's just really for perform it's a performance enhancer it's a it's a it's it's about uh everyone says they look like jason statum i'm just like fine that's that's fine if that's what you guys feel i mean you know uh, it is what it is but um as if i have a choice um anywho uh eric i think actually you got the yeah yeah so i'm uh i'm fascinated with something that you happen to drop in in our email exchange that you have a new passion pickleball now i have some of my clients who are doing it and I'll be honest, it seems like the game that old people play when they can't move anymore. Um, but tell me, tell me different. Tell me how you got to pickleball and, and, and prove me wrong here. No, no, no. I, unfortunately, it's I can't prove you wrong on that because that's one of the beauties of it is that it is a game that old people can play <laughs> and not kill themselves. Um, I'm, in, I'm in the nascent stages here, but I'm telling you there's a reason that it, it seems to be in the newspaper every four days, uh, at least around here, that like sweeping the country and the reason is that it's freaking fun and and the barrier to get good at it is very low like you can start having fun playing it much more quickly than if you were playing tennis or really almost any sport that is really frustrating when you first start playing and part of what you're dissing about it is part of its beauty it's a lifestyle it's a lifetime sport eric it's like it's one of those beautiful sports that you can play when you're 80 years old but is also crazy fun when you see these really athletic young guys doing it i mean you know there's a reason lebron james is getting in on this thing it's it is as it's played at the highest level it is some of the fastest reactions it's the reaction time of ping pong that you need it's kind of the has that endurance athleticism it's really um almost like badminton you can hit the crap out of it but because it's a wiffle ball it slows down so quickly so rallies can last forever, even if people are just crying the net. Um, but as, as I'm sure Greg Rose could attest, it is also just kind of fertile ground. It, how often do nor- new sports hit the market, or at least the United States, that has this much of a groundswell of popularity? So um, it's kind of fun to have to learn it, to have to use my brain to figure out what stuff I can take from all my years training athletes you know table tennis players in China uh, tennis players here in the United States how you know what parts apply and what parts don't and uh and hell you know it's it it, it, there's nothing wrong with uh also getting in on the ground floor of a sport that has a bunch of um 40 to 60 year old people that are playing it with uh yeah, maybe with resources to make me the pickle bar czar, pickleball czar of the United States. Um, when I when I buy my golf stream with a big pickle on the side, you know, we'll talk about this moment. Oh, all the best of luck with that. You know, I, I, I guess for me, it's not that I'm knocking it. It's it's for someone that 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 love, you know, playing baseball. It's like when you have to get relegated to men's softball and that's kind of where it feels it falls on the on the continuum for me and as somebody who just turned 50 this year it's like is this is what i got lined up in my queue for myself that is fair that is completely fair it is strategically it's not just 
like a watered down version of a sport like like baseball the softball it is tactically and the rules are different enough that it is a step it's a different step i can't say step up from tennis but yeah i guess it's more the population that's there when you show up to the game and three quarters of the guys have knee sleeves and uh and, and need a pinch runner then i feel like you know i hope i don't blend in with this group but um but let's let's talk about you got pickleball going you got a bunch of stuff cooking you got the the um the the volleyball team what other projects we have on the on the docket in the next you know months to uh, to a year for for you rep no that's that's mainly it i i spend my winters uh just full-on family guy uh i have a three-year-old daughter so i spend a ton of time with her when i'm not exploring this new sport of pickleball i'm going to be with her and uh building out a bunch of uh new presentations for me to give now that it seems like people are asking uh, folks to give presentations again so hopefully doing some workshops around the around the world over the next couple of months but uh other than that it's just uh recuperate for the season for the next uh german volleyball season next year awesome and we'll have uh some links to your social media and to your contact info in the notes mike any final thoughts before we wrap up no no this is uh you know Fantastic information. Um, you know, I'm, I'm scratching a bunch of notes over here to use some of the stuff with my athletes as well. So, um, you know, thank you so much. And, and, and uh, we really appreciate your time. And I look forward to, to digging into more of your work because, uh, you know, this is really fascinating stuff. And I really think it's going to make a huge impact on, you know, team sports in general. Well, and I, I appreciate that. I'll say really quickly, sometimes this is very abstract to just hear me talk. Uh, you can get ideas of how I would put together some of these more unique versions of warmups if you just kind of check out the Instagram stuff. Awesome. Again, your time is is greatly appreciated, Rhett. Um, you know, and and when Mike and I set out to do our course and the podcast, we wanted to bring something to strength and conditioning, then the same Twitter argument over reps and sets and exercises. And there's so much more that I think that we can do that we limit ourselves by confining ourselves into that. And you've, you've shown us a, a definitely a lot of stuff to think about. So uh, we will be following your work very closely moving forward. We want to thank everyone for listening. And this has been episode number 16 of the Principles of Performance podcast. Thank you for listening to the Principles of Performance podcast. If you've enjoyed our content, please like and share on your social media outlets as well as subscribe and give us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to. For more information on the Principles of Program Design courses and workshops, visit us at www.principlesofprogramdesign.com and follow us on all of the social media channels where we post new content every day. To save 10% on any PPD courses, enter the discount code PRINCIPLESPODCAST10 at checkout. If you have any questions we can answer or suggestions for the show, you can email us at info at principlesofprogramdesign.com or message us on social media. Thank you again for your support.